Well, it's Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. All right. Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the hora. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat. Shiny tops to play with and latkes to eat. Do you know this? And while we are playing, the candles are all burning low. One for each night that will shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Everybody. One for each night that will shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Give yourselves a hand. That was great. I'm excited. So today is the sixth day of Hanukkah, right? And tonight, the seventh night. Because, of course, we do sunset to sunset. Raise your hand if you are coming to the Hanukkah party tonight. Everybody, awesome, great. Uh, raise your hand if you're going to win the latke contest. I'm sorry, you can, we can't have more than one winner. But um, we can't all win. But I'm, I'm very excited for this time of year. I remember growing up, and uh, I would uh, get a present each night. That was fun. And I would light the candles with my parents, and we would hold hands, and we would sing the blessing. And uh, it was just, it was great. But now... I get to do that in my, in my new family with my wife. And honestly, it's been the best Hanukkah of my life. It's, it's really great. Um, when I was young, the, the lighting, the Hanukkah lights, it was just mostly about being with family. That's kind of how I thought about it. And of course, the presence. Because when you're a kid, that's what you care about, right? But as I grew older, I came to understand that it was, it was more about it was about something more. It was, it's a season of miracles. And as I learned more about the story, which we're going to talk about today, I came to see that it was also about dedication or rededication. So today I want to talk about Hanukkah. First, that it is a season of rededication. And second, that it is a season of miracles. So Hanukkah, of course, means dedication. Right? And why is that? Because the Maccabees took all the unkosher stuff out of the holy temple in Jerusalem. That's where the Western Wall is today, right? They, there were idols there. There was a pig, a pig on the altar that Antiochus Epiphanes put there, and they cleaned it all out so that it could be used as a temple again. The story takes place actually in the book of Maccabees, 1st and 2nd Maccabees, which are not considered part of the Bible, but they have historical value, and these writings are called the Apocrypha. So it's not uh, the Word of God necessarily, but it is a historical book um, that we understand to be true. The story occurs after the Hebrew Scriptures were completed, so it's in between the two Parts, the Tanakh and the Apostolic Writings. Um, however, the word Hanukkah, the word dedication in the Hebrew, is found in the Tanakh, this word. And it's found eight times, and half of which are in one single chapter. Uh, and this chapter uh, is Numbers chapter 7. And so because the word Hanukkah appears so much, 
it's often read during this time. It's a traditional reading uh, during Hanukkah. Uh, so we're going to read Numbers chapter 7, because um, there's some themes in here, starting with verse 1. Let's read it together. When Moses finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed and consecrated it and all its furnishings. He also anointed and consecrated the altar and all its utensils. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of families who were the tribal leaders in charge of those who were counted, made offerings. So the tabernacle was the precursor to the temple, and it was the center of sacrifices, and it's just being set up here. So he anointed Yimshach, Yimshach, like Mashiach, right? And he consecrated it, Yikadesh, like the word Kadosh. So we're going to remember those verbs for later. And then in verse 10 and 11, those two verses, we find this. When the altar was anointed, the leaders brought their offerings for its dedication. And there's the word Hanukkah. And presented them before the altar. For the Lord had said to Moses, each day one leader is to bring his offering for the dedication of the altar. And so, and the rest of the passage is kind of repetitive. I'm not going to read that to you because all 12 tribes, one leader from each of the 12 tribes, a representative comes and brings an offering, and they're very similar. Okay? So what does this have to do with Hanukkah and with us? Well, Hanukkah is a time of rededication. In the case of the book of Numbers, it was the dedication of the tabernacle. And in the story of Hanukkah, it was the rededication of the temple. But today, there's no temple. There's no Mishkan. There's no tabernacle. So what do we have to rededicate to God? We have ourselves, our own bodies. How can we dedicate ourselves to God during this season of Hanukkah? Well, we can follow the advice laid out in Numbers 7 in the passage we just read. First, we must recognize that just as the tabernacle was anointed, so we ourselves are also anointed. And anointing in biblical times had to do with the application of oil, which represented the presence of God. And in the prophets uh, and in the apostolic writings, anointing refers to the power and the presence of God going with someone to do God's will. For example, in Luke 4, chapter, uh, verse four uh, chapter 4, verse 18, uh, Yeshua quotes a passage from Isaiah. This is from the prophets. And, uh, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Okay? Um, and, and the scriptures use the same uh, Greek word for anoint, in Acts 10, 38, and this is what it says. How God anointed Yeshua of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So we see that anointing is much more than just the application of oil, right? But it, rather, it's the power to do what God has called you to do. This Hanukkah, let's recognize that Hashem has empowered us. He has anointed us to do his good work. 
Some of us may have visions. We might have dreams from God that we are yearning for, things that God has whispered to us and said, I want you, my child, to do this. But we may doubt, we may have fear or doubt that we can actually do that. Maybe you have sensed the calling, the power of God, but you're hesitating out of fear or doubt. This Hanukkah season is a great, great time to trust in God's anointing. If he has called you to do something, then he will anoint you, that is, he will empower you to do it. Moreover, it says in number seven that the tabernacle was not only anointed, but it was consecrated. Yeah? And using the word, the word, the root of which is kadosh, or holy, he made it holy. To be holy means to be set, a, set apart for a specific purpose, as in the holiness of the inner sanctuary in the temple, or the holiness of Shabbat, right? It's set apart from the rest of the days, to rest instead of to work. And we are also, we also are supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be set apart for God's work. And to a certain extent, we must set apart ourselves. It's our choice to refrain from the culture of the world. When the world is gossiping about others, it's our choice to remain silent or to participate. When the world around us treats physical intimacy casually, it's our choice to keep that intimacy in the context of marriage or not. When the world is corrupt or vain or greedy, it's our choice to be like the heroes of the Tanakh, like Joseph, who we are reading about right now, or to follow the crowd. Do the people in your community, where you work or where you live or where you go to school, do they know that you're a disciple of Yeshua not because you told them? Do they know it because of your actions? Can they say, there's something different about you by your love for God and your love for others? This is the ultimate goal of holiness. This is our goal, being set apart for God's purpose. And there's another thing that can help us as we recognize that God has empowered us and set us apart for his work. If we are followers of Yeshua, then we belong to God through Messiah. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, and many of us are familiar with this, let's read it together. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You are not your own. I am not my own. Hanukkah is a great season to remember that we are not our own. We don't belong to ourselves, but we are dedicated we are dedicated to God. Your hand, your hand belongs to God. Your mouth, your mouth belongs to Hashem. Your soul belongs to God. Whatever you do, whatever you do with these things is not ultimately yours to dictate, for we belong to God, and we are his special possession. What do we think of when we hear the word dedicated, right? A dedicated husband pays attention to his wife, and cares for her alone 
before all others. Tonight, as we light the candles on the menorah, let's remember the rededication of the temple for God's purpose. And remember that God has given all of us a unique purpose, each of us. And he has set us apart. And he has anointed us, empowered us to do that purpose. Let us be encouraged in Hashem as we celebrate the festival of dedication, Hanukkah. Let's rededicate ourselves, our own selves, to God. For we belong to him. But, as I said at the beginning of the sermon, Hanukkah is not only about rededication, but it is also the season of miracles. There is the miracle story itself of the oil lasting eight days instead of one. Now, this story is not actually in the text of 1st Maccabees or 2nd Maccabees, but it was added by the rabbis later. But I personally believe that it is true because God did something very similar right here at Tikvat Israel over 20 years ago. In fact, it was the first time we occupied the building, the first time we had Shabbat where you are sitting now. It was during the Hanukkah season of 1990. Many of you have heard the story, but I think it bears repetition for two reasons. Number one, as Jews, we recall miracles that God has done for us over and over every year. But it's to remind us of God's faithfulness through our traditions. For example, Hanukkah, we remember the Hanukkah miracle. During Passover, we remember Exodus. We all know the story, but we recall it to remind us of God's faithfulness. And second, the story points back to God and gives him the glory, which we are to do in every generation. As it says in Psalm 145, verse 4, one generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. So I'm going to recall the Hanukkah miracle that happened to us here, which parallels and supports the Hanukkah miracle of the days of the Maccabees. And I will be quoting from former rabbi of Tikvat Israel, Jamie Cowan. This is uh, found on his website, jamiecowanministries.com. And this is a quote from him. Our first service was scheduled for Hanukkah Hanukkah week 1990. This was the beginning of the first Persian Gulf War, and oil prices had spiked. So there was a war also during the time of the Maccabees, and that's why oil was also scarce during that time. The first order of business was to attempt to start the oil heating system. One of our leaders ordered in 150 gallons of oil. The four tanks in the furnace room had a capacity in excess of 1,000 gallons. But why order so much oil if there's no assurance of starting the system? You know, they didn't even know if it would work. Regardless, the system wouldn't start, so our first service was heated by two propane burners that sounded like jet engines, if you can imagine trying to hear over that. Obviously, they couldn't be run during the service, so by the end, it had gotten quite cold. Later in the week, the same leader was examining the heating system and was able to start it. And then he examined the oil tanks, and to his utter surprise, the gauges on the tanks indicated that they were full. So not 150 gallons, but 1,000 gallons in each of them. This made no sense. 
He opened the tank, dunked in a long stick, and sure enough, they were full to the brim. He quickly called me on the phone and said something very unusual had happened. I asked if he was sure. He had checked the tank status the prior week, and he remarked he thought so. I then said, maybe the oil company supplied extra. He replied, we only ordered 150. That's all we paid for, and now there's over 1,000 gallons of oil in the tank. I responded, could this be another Hanukkah miracle? It was still during the week of Hanukkah. The following Shabbat, I shared this story as everyone was enjoying the warm sanctuary. I explained it in a way that left some room for error, but I acknowledged that the Lord quite likely reproduced the same miracle as the one 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. After the service, one of the members who was a chemist and a skeptic came forward and looked as white as a ghost. I asked, what's wrong? He replied, I checked those tanks myself last week, and they were bone dry. It's a miracle. So that was it. The oil was sufficient for the whole winter. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Unquote. So, why should we believe in miracles? And what is a miracle anyways? Well, I believe it's something that can't be explained except by a move of God. And if we're going by that definition, I think there's a lot more miraculous than we might suspect. In the story Charlotte's Web, there's a spider who starts spinning words in English in a web. And she does this, uh, she spins word about, words about a pig. The first one is, some pig. Now, I hope, I hope it's okay. Um, it's not the most kosher of a story, but it gets the point across. So she does this because um, to save him so that he won't be slaughtered. And, uh, the, and it works. The apparent miracle of a spider spinning words in her web, it leaves some skeptics. There's some people that are skeptical about this apparent miracle. Uh, for example, Mrs. Arable. So she has this exchange with the kind Dr. Dorian about the web. She asks, do you understand how there could be any writing in a spider's web? Oh no, said Dr. Dorian. I don't understand it. But for that matter, I don't understand how a spider learned to spin a web in the first place. When the words appeared, everyone said they were a miracle, but nobody pointed out that the web itself is a miracle. What's miraculous about a spider's web, said Mrs. Arable. I don't see why you say a web is a miracle. It's just a web. Ever try to spin one? Asked Dr. Dorian. In other words, who ever taught a spider to spin a web? They just do it. Whoever taught the birds, have you ever noticed this? They change direction in midair together at the same time without vocal communication. Have you ever seen that? If you found a new car in the middle of the desert, brand new car, would you say, oh, I think this came together randomly by chance and appeared here in the middle of the desert and nobody made it. Would you say that? By no means. Then how do you explain the infinite complexity of even one of the cells 
in your body, let alone an entire organ like the heart, let alone an entire circulatory system, let alone an entire human like you with complexity upon complexity, systems working together, emotions, the breath of life, a consciousness, and a soul. In other words, you yourself are a bona fide miracle, a reason to praise God who works works beyond our comprehension. Tell somebody next to you, you are a miracle. This, this is a season to believe. All right, not too many, just one person. I have to clarify my directions. This is a season to believe. This is a season to put our faith in God for the miraculous. And if you need an example of a miracle, all you have to do is look at the person next to you. That's a miracle. The only time that Hanukkah is mentioned as a holiday, not the word dedication, but Hanukkah, is in the apostolic writings, the new covenant. In John 10, 22, verses 30, we read this. Then came the festival of dedication, or Hanukkah, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Yeshua was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you were the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Yeshua answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And later, in verse 36 through 39, it says this. This is Yeshua speaking again. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. And again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Now, my sense is that Yeshua, as a Jew, he was, it was during the time of Hanukkah, and he was connecting himself with one of these themes, the theme of miracles during this time. And he's saying, yes, yes, I'm claiming to be one with the Father, and I'm claiming to be God's Son, and as the Messiah is supposed to be, fully God and fully human, according to the Scriptures. Nevertheless, he's saying, if you find all of that theology offensive and difficult to understand, then believe in Yeshua because of the miracles. Look at the works that he's doing. Yeshua healed the sick. Yeshua opened the eyes of the blind. He cast out demons. Not only that, but he empowered his followers to do the same thing that he was doing. And in many parts of the world where there is less wealth and greater faith than in America, these miracles 
are taking place in the name of Yeshua. Baruch Hashem. So if you're offended or confused by Yeshua's claims to be one with the Father, just listen to his advice. Believe in him because of the works themselves. Yeshua did the work of the Father. And that shows, it proves that he was from God, that he was God's representative on the earth. This Hanukkah season, as we light the menorah, let us remember to rededicate ourselves to God, to believe in Yeshua, who did the works of God. Let's believe him for the miraculous, both the everyday miracles and the supernatural ones. Let's pray.